Thank you for listening to Slice of Life. It is me, your host, Zach Vaughn. Joining me today is Shane Newbert. He is a fellow comedian. He is the host of the Shot 30 podcast, and he's a good friend of mine. Say hello, Shane. Hi. What's up, dude? Nothing. I'm happy to do this. Hey, this is take three. No, it's take two. Oh, okay. Well, I got in trouble at the beginning of the first one for getting too far off course. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I got a little Zach spanking. All right. Well, uh, this one's going to be uh, different anyway. It's going to be different. So um, if you've been following me since the last podcast, the goal of this podcast and the one that's going to follow it is exploring uh, three areas of my life that I've kind of identified as being uh, major contributing factors to how good I'm feeling. Uh, the first episode being my relationship with romantic love. This episode being my relationship with the world around me. And the episode to follow being my relationship with wealth and things. Um, so what I mean by my relationship with the world around me is um, my relationship with fitting in my relationship with social groups, social circles, how important it is for me to feel accepted, valued, the things that I've done in my life to feel part of something or part of some greater community. Um, and both Shane and I have experience with um, being a part of several different communities, wearing several different hats uh, throughout the course of our life. And that's why I wanted to have him on. Um, that and he is a dear friend of mine. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm excited about this because yeah, you are one of the most diverse type of people that I've ever met, and it's kind of weird because we do match in a lot, like the powerlifting, bodybuilding, arts, art, and then comedy, and yeah, we match up in a lot of different ways, and we're also very different in a lot of ways as well. Yeah, yeah, um, but we do have a lot of commonality uh, despite our differences. So. Um, I wanted to lead off this episode with what I think is probably um, a major contributing moment in my life um, that's kind of lent itself to how much I value um, feeling accepted and how much I value things like um, brotherhood or community. Um, and it was a topic that I wanted to avoid the first time that Shane and I uh, tried recording this just because it's something very personal to me. Um, but uh, after kind of going over that podcast again and starting the process to edit it, um, it just felt like I was being um, disingenuous um, with you, the listener, um, which is something that I want to avoid. Um, so today I made the decision to have that conversation. Um, and uh, this is going to come as a surprise to pretty much anyone that has known me uh, for just the last fucking 15 years. Um, but I, uh, I have a brother. Um, I am not an only child, despite what I probably tell people a lot of the time. Um, and we will get to that. But I have a... Uh, <clears throat> I have an older brother. He's nine years older than me. Uh, his name is Chris. He is my half brother um, from my mom's previous marriage. And uh, him and I were extremely close growing up. We were extremely different. 
Um, but we were very close to one another. And when I was moving around, um, so much throughout my childhood, he was kind of my protector. Uh, I felt safe with him around. He would always, um, look out for me. Um, I felt, you know, taken care of him. I had a, a very close relationship and he influenced a lot of the hobbies that I developed throughout my life. He was probably an influence on art. He, uh, bought me my first guitar. He was an influence on music for me. A lot of the music that I was into, you, you look up to your older brothers. Um, this was no different. So, um, he kind of started, uh, fucking up quite a bit, um, in his later teenage years, which caused some tension in our family. And, um, by the time that we had moved to Iowa, when I was 12, um, he was kind of in and out of halfway homes, um, just kind of struggling to find his footing in the world. Um, so we moved to Iowa and he finds a girl and settles down with this girl and kind of starts the process of piecing his life, um, back together. Um, they get married, uh, they, they purchase a home. Um, he has a son, um, my nephew and, uh, everything's right in the world. I was the best man at his small wedding. And, uh, when I was 14, I transferred to Burlington high school and I was in the guidance counselor's office, um, one morning shortly after I transferred there discussing what I wanted to do with my life. And a guy comes into the office and he tells me there's been a family emergency and, uh, that I need to go with him. And, uh, he, that somebody from my mom's work is going to pick me up from the school. And, uh, so I'm waiting out in the office and, uh, the first place that my mind goes, <laughs> um, is when I was in like elementary school, my mom called the school and said there had been a family emergency. And, uh, she picked me up from school with my brother and we went to Champagne for the day and just like went to the mall and went shopping. Um, and it's like a fond memory of mine. So instantly, um, my mind's like, maybe that's what's happening, <laughs> you know? And, um, then I start thinking about everything that could be happening. Um, did one of my grandparents pass away? Um, are my parents getting a divorce? Um, and then I kind of have this like, eerie feeling, um, that something happened with Chris, you know, it seemed like he'd been on the right path, but I watched him struggle so much when I was young, um, that my brain just kind of went there. And this lady from my mom's office picks me up. And I remember getting in the car with this lady and her driving me, uh, to that office. And I asked her what happened and she looked like she was going to have a mental breakdown. She couldn't even get words out. She looked terrified. She was, you know, whiter than a sheet. And I'm like, oh, okay. So something fucked up happened. <clears throat> and I uh, get to my mom's office and I see her sitting there and I see my dad sitting there and my dad's crying. And I had never seen my dad cried before in my life. Um, so that worries me. And, um, 
my mom starts trying to explain to me what had happened and she's trying to explain it to me calmly. Um, but she's crying so much that she has to keep starting over while she's trying to explain it to me calmly. And you can see her getting frustrated with not being able to get the sentence out. And so eventually she just yells at me pretty much so she can get it out that um, my brother had uh, murdered his wife and my baby nephew. And I remember just kind of going numb um, and then I, I remember being around family, um, after that. And I remember how much I stuck up for, like I, how much I stood up for my brother, um, when he was fucking up, you know, it seemed like everyone was acknowledging that he was a fuck up, but he was my brother. And I just remember looking around at my uncles, my, gr my grandma, and, um, just thinking that all these people must be thinking, I fucking told you so. And, um, I don't know how well I really ever, um, processed that. Um, but what I do know is in that moment, um, two things came to mind, two things happened. Um, the first is I had to grow up young. Um, I feel like when we're kids, if we're in a healthy household, our families try insulating us from how evil the world can be as much as they can. And we see it on TV screens and now we see it on our computers. Um, but it just, as long as there's a screen between us, it seems like that's never going to be something that happens to us. And now I was living in a world where I had to acknowledge, um, that, that shit does happen. Um, you know, life's really, really fucking unfair sometimes. And the second thing <clears throat> that happened is, um, shortly after that, they had determined that my brother was schizophrenic. And uh, he had just finally had his break. It was going to happen eventually, and it just finally fucking happened. So with that information in mind, and knowing that I share half of his genetics, the question started coming to my mind, um, am I fucking crazy? Um, I started becoming afraid of my own feelings, my own emotions, and I started not being able to process them. Um, because, um, as, as I've alluded to, um, numerous times, I don't have a healthy human brain. You know, I, um, I'm prone to depression. I have ADHD. Um, I'm prone to, um, aggressive mood swings. Um, I have fits of rage. Um, and maybe these are things that a lot of people deal with and contend with. Now there are communities that are willing to be like, hey, this affects a overwhelming percentage of people. It's, there's nothing really weird about it. A lot of people are 
enduring these feelings. But every day I have to wake up and consider whether I'm normal crazy or whether I'm the type of crazy that murders his fucking family someday. Um, every day that thoughts in my mind. I don't really think it's going to be going away um, anytime soon. That's something that I've just kind of learned to deal with. I wake up, I take a sort of mental inventory of my life and how I'm feeling that day. And uh, I assess that I'm feeling good enough to participate in society. And then I, I go about my day and that's every day. And it's weird because when you're speaking to someone, when you're getting to know someone, um, it's normally not too long before people ask if you have any siblings. It's a pretty common fucking question. And so I just started telling people I was an only child because um, I felt like there were only really two scenarios that were going to happen. If I told somebody I wasn't, I was going to say, yes, I have a brother and they were going to ask about him. And I would be like, he's in prison. And at that point, they're either, in my mind, going to ask what for, in which case I have to explain this to a new friend, um, which seemed insurmountable to me. Or maybe they don't ask what for, but maybe in their mind, they're like, oh, this dude's family is a fucking disaster and they're crazy. And he must be crazy. And we are going to spend any time getting to know this guy, um, which is worse for me. Um, so I just started telling people that I don't have a brother. Um, I've been doing that um, a long time. I'm 29 now, which means this is the first year that I've spent more time on this planet without a brother than I have with a brother. Um, and uh, I'm older than he was when he went to prison. You know, it's, there's surreal thoughts to have. Um, and after that, I started kind of trying to replace that sensation, um, of having a brother, of having somebody that's going to take care of me that I can look up to with, um, feeling like I'm part of some community, because in my mind, if somebody had a busy social circle, there's no way they could be fucking crazy because crazy people don't have fucking friends. Um, and so a lot of my life and how I feel about where I'm at is directly relative to if I have, um, friends or not, you know, because, um, if I do, I'm like, man, I can't, I can't be crazy, explain all these people that fucking like me. Um, and if I don't, I'm like, oh, fuck, you know. Um, and uh, I've done a lot my entire life to try fitting in um, so I can avoid that sort of underlying fear that I have that one day I'm just going to wake up and my brain's going to be broken. And um, it's a lot, man. It gets heavy uh, living life that way, I think. Yeah. Dude, I'm sorry, man. Oh. Um I know that I can speak on situations in my life which have been crazy and I've kept things bottled in. But also at the same time too, man, I 
I know that feeling of idolizing somebody and then it all come crashing down around you. I was, the, I was that pe- person for some people. Um, I've made m- massive mistakes in my life and uh, nah, that that's not a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think that's something that will really help no matter what. And I've said this for a very long time is talking about it. And I know that I can feel your nervousness and I can feel your butterflies in your stomach. But there's a reason why you want to say it. And there's a reason why you want to lift that off your chest. And there's a reason why sometimes it takes a long time to get that off your chest. It's it's not something you cope with and, and it's just healed tomorrow and fixed tomorrow. Like with my with my stuff that happened to me as a kid. It took it took me till I was 28, 29, and then I did it in dramatic fashion. I did it in a way that nobody ever knew. And like with all the stuff with me, nobody ever knew, and I kept it all inside of me to where it was ripping me to pieces where I don't know. I'm I'm getting a, I'm in the middle of a divorce and taking medicine and all this stuff, and I'm I'm still thinking about killing myself over some shit that happened to me when I was 14 years old, you know, like I, and when, when you take it and you, you look at your, your, like these communities that you're all around, these communities are so the, like, especially the stand up world, it's a world where we just talk, you know, it's a world where we talk and say crazy things. And you're keeping one of the craziest things that's a part of you completely hidden. Like in a way, and I think it's, I know that you're not looking for this, but I think it's really brave of you to say that. Um, I think it will actually help you, um, moving forward. Do you, has you, have you ever spoke to your brother again? I, um, I spoke to him shortly after it happened. Um, and then, uh, I know he still sends my mom letters and stuff like addressed to me, but I've never, I've never looked at them. I, um, I go back and forth in my mind about whether having that conversation is going to provide any sort of closure or not. I know that the obvious answer, like on the surface level, if you were to probably ask anyone's like, yeah, like you need that sort of closure, but you know, I've spent my entire life thinking, um, about how I get closure from the situation. And like I said, I mean, the, the biggest thing to contend with in this whole situation, like the, the, the fucking cancer that it fucking put inside my brain when that happened is wondering whether I'm fucking crazy or not. Um, that's not fair though. That's, I mean, I understand it. It, it feels valid to you, but you're you're not uh, listen i know you very well i know you in a way where i've been like dude this guy fucking sucks today or the next day like dude like this is the happiest guy in the world i see your mood swings i see the change like some days you're very different than the next i understand that takes a huge massive toll on you each and every day have I ever been afraid for my life or afraid for anybody who's ever around you's life? N- never, never. You're a person, you're a person and you think very deep and you've always been a deep thinker. You art- articulate your words very well. You're very intelligent. You work hard in what you do. And s- it's, yeah. but also that's why you put as much fear as you do into a subject like this. 
because you think so much. And this is a really powerful fucking thing that happened, whether, you know, it not being a good powerful, but a bad on you. But you, you always are such yeah, you just think, you think, you think, you over evaluate a lot of things too. You know, you worry real quick if this person doesn't like you or if they do. And, and also, and also too, with this, I, I can't tell you whether it would be right or wrong for you to talk to him. That the only person that could ever answer that question is you. But you wanted to, you wanted to take up less space in, in your, in your mind. I, and I, and I know that. And I, I, there real, there really is no way of saying how, a way to take, you know, take it away. There's no, you can't take things away that happen. But that does, maybe it does change the way people converse with you and stuff moving forward. Because a lot of people, you know, they they don't understand you. Yeah, everybody fucking loves you, dude. But like, maybe a lot of people don't understand you because they don't understand. Like when Zach goes, hey, Gene, I don't want to fucking talk to you right now. Fucking talk shit on the floor. Fuck this. And hang up on me. Like maybe if I knew more about like your bad days, it would make me understand, you know, the swing and the good days. And then be like, oh, Zach's not just the biggest asshole. He's just having a day. And that's what I say now. Like, I, I mean, I go, oh, OK, he's having a day. Um, But there was a time where I was like, fuck this guy, dude. But like, and, and then even lo- looking back at some of those days, and I, I could watch you. I could walk into our place of work and see it on your face. You wear your weight of the day right away. I mean, people can see when you're happy, you're sad, you're pissed, you're annoyed. Um, yeah, and I, but that does. I mean, it's and it, you, you wake up thinking that every single day, and, and there's never gonna be a day you don't. I, I still think I, I am not suicidal at all anymore like my previous back in the day like all of that is gone but every single day i still wake up and think about it i still wake up and think about that version of me i still think about what would people think if i did i still think about those things every day and why do i do it i don't i don't know i can't help it it's it's in there does some people are some people are built with this mind that can just let things disappear, but then they it builds up, and that's a different type of person—a person that lets things build up for so long, and you can't see it, and you can't read it, and that's that's what's scary, and that's what also scares you too about your brother because you never—this is something that you never ex- expected. Nobody expected. Fuck. Yeah. So. Um, after that, uh, I had an older cousin who kind of stepped in and like filled the role, um, as my big brother, um, him and I had always, he's five or six years older than me. And we always butted heads throughout my childhood. Um, but this happened when he was deployed. Um, he couldn't have even been 20 yet. Maybe he was just 20. Um, and uh, when he got back home from that deployment, um, you know, he kind of took me under his wing and made me feel like I wasn't such a fucking oddball, right? And the thing was, like, I was an odd kid. Like, at 14 years old, I fucking... Oh, I saw pictures. I was super, super into music. 
Um, I was listening to like exclusively like fucking nine inch nails and fucking <laughs> a perfect circle and tool and fucking like, um, I was an indoor kid. I spent like all my time on the fucking computer or fucking in front of video games or fucking TV. Um, you know, like I, I didn't have a lot of friends. Like I discussed on the last episode, like at 14 years old, 14 is a shitty time in your life. Anyway, I moved to Iowa when I'm fucking 12, like, no, that like to a small ass school, mm-hmm. fucking 37 people in the graduating class of Danville. Like everyone, they've fucking grown up their entire lives together. Mm-hmm. They all know their fucking parents by their fucking first name. There's fucking 30 of them, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so it wasn't an easy dynamic to walk into. So I was, I was a fucking weird kid. So when my cousin kind of took me under his wing, he was the one that got me into lifting and he just kind of started pushing fucking normal kid things. And, um, one thing that really stuck out to me about my cousin was when we were growing up, he was a fucking chubby kid uh-huh. and he went on to play college football and he was still, I mean, he was big, but he was still heavy and then he joins the military and he loses all this weight, comes back, goes to college and everyone loves him. Like the way the world existed for him just changed. And here, here I am this like chubby, awkward kid. I'm watching that transformation in him and I'm like, fuck, like that's the secret. That's what I have to do. I just have to do that. So I start getting really into lifting, um, start spending a lot of time in the gym. Um, by the time I graduate high school, I'm down from like a really chubby 215 to, um, like 190 something. And, um, all I did was fucking upper body movements. Uh, I fucking, <laughs> uh, my diet consisted of fucking all a cart line at the fucking school cafeteria. I just tried eating as much meat as possible, drinking as much Gatorade. I fucking drank like seven protein shakes a day. Package a couple hard boiled eggs for study hall. Yeah. And, um, so I join the military my senior year of high school And, uh, I'm like, this is it. Like the fucking, this is the prophecy fulfilled. My cousin went away to the military, Uh came back. His life was better. I'm going to do the same exact thing. So, um, after I graduated my senior year of high school, I went to basic and AIT and I worked out so much during basic training that people would make fun of me for how much I was working out. Um, I would, we would do everything that we had to do out in the field that day, all of our PT in the morning. And then we would get back to the barracks and I would do hundreds of push ups and hundreds of sit ups. And I'd put my fucking body armor on with plates and I'd do fucking dips off the fucking bunks and I'd fucking do curls with lawn, anything that I could, any way I could figure out to work out, I fucking did it mm-hmm. nonstop. Well, after the lights were fucking turned out. And, um, when I graduated basic training, um, I had more than maxed out my push-ups and sit-ups, and I ran like a 1327 two mile. Um, 13's max, and it haunts me because on that last two mile that they tested, um, I tripped a kid in front of me and I turned around and picked him up. 
I think about that all the time. Like if I didn't pick your ass up, you were a nice guy. dude. (laughs) Um, It fucking haunts me to this day. I should have just fucking left him there. But, um, so I was like 154 pounds, dude. And I don't have the body type to be 154 pounds. Uh Um, and, uh, I went to AIT in Fort Eustis, Virginia. I had the highest PT score in my entire battery. We would do fucking eight mile runs every Friday. I was just, it was, it was the only thing I wanted to focus on. Like I was so convinced that this was the thing that was going to make my life better. And, um, I got back home. I looked way different, so different that people wouldn't recognize me. Mm -hmm. I remember thinking that was the coolest thing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. You can't recognize me. Um, and then I got really into the gym because I had weights available during AIT but I was still mostly doing calisthenic stuff. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I could get back into the gym, I did that. And one of my good friends from high school, um, had started getting into natural bodybuilding and I'm not an athlete. Mm -hmm. I don't pretend to be an athlete. Um, I can't throw a ball to save my life. I'm so fucking uncoordinated. It's goofy dude. Um, but I knew that I had the potential to be strong. I knew I could work out really, really fucking hard. And here was this thing that didn't really require any sort of athletic ability. All it it required is just me dedicating myself to it and working out as hard as possible. I remember thinking that was so cool. And this was before Instagram. This is back in fucking 2012. Mm -hmm. So like the online fitness community didn't exist yet. So nobody was fucking bodybuilding. Nobody I knew in that town was fucking bodybuilding. Yeah. And that was also cool to me. I'm like, this is like exclusive, you know, like I'm not just doing what everyone else is doing. Um, and I became obsessed with that. Um, and, uh, eventually there was a guy that came to our gym who had been competing like 20 years. Um, and I started like kind of gingerly asking him for advice here and there. And then one day he's like, do you want to train with me? And I trained with him and then we became full-time training partners. The dude never charged me a penny, which looking back in hindsight, because I've definitely paid coaches is crazy. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh dude, like I have like a brother again, you know, like I have like a fucking a brother. Um, and so I started working out with him nonstop and, uh, I did look really good for the gym. Oh no, you look great. I I saw the pictures. Numerous times I was like in shape for the gym was what he would always call it. He would call it like gym shape. He's like, you see a lot of people in here and you're like, wow, that dude looks phenomenal. He was and a natural bodybuilder or no, no, he wasn't. Okay. But he's like, those people are still like eight weeks away from being able, being able to step on stage. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking that was so crazy to me. You see people with fucking abs that are fucking huge. And he's like, they still aren't, you know, they look good in here, but like they, they would look silly up there. Mm-hmm. And I just never had the discipline to go that extra eight weeks. I trained with him for fucking, I think a year and a half is when I moved out of Burlington for a year and a half straight, fucking five, six days a week. Um, eventually I joined the carpenters union and I was working fucking 12 hour days and I would come to the gym in the evening and fucking train with him. Um, which is crazy now. I can't work a fucking eight hour day in the office and feel like going to the gym in the evening. I know. But, uh, but, um, and, uh, there were several shows that we prepped for 
Um, and we'd always get to like that eight week point and he'd be like, we'd try, you know, hammering out that last eight weeks. And I would just always, I would be good up until then. And then I would just always slip. I'd always fall behind that last eight weeks. What do you mean by fall behind? I just wouldn't condition, like I wouldn't condition quick enough. And uh, so was he, that like, was that training caused or was that just? It was diet caused. Okay. It was, it you, was, could, you weren't disciplined? No. I was disciplined when it came to bulking and putting on all that weight. Understandable. And I was, disipi- I was disciplined to get in shape up to a point. Um, but that extra fucking five, you know, 5% body fat, five, 6% body fat, you know, when you see somebody and you're like, that dude's fucking jacked. Like I was that dude several times. I just never was that dude that was going to look good on stage. I just never, I, I, I said I wasn't committed enough to the process. That doesn't mean that you were doomed or, and you still wouldn't be doomed today. Like, I, I, I'm i telling you, even like looping back in this conversation just a little bit, dude, you have a mind that can – you're really fucking good at a lot of things. This is one of the worst things I look at myself about. Like I'm really good at a lot of things, but man, I want to spend that extra mile to be great at it. And so sometimes you get to that spot and it can kind of like uh, – you know, like – I've spent so much time and I'm not there. And even when I'm on this stage right now, am I going to be the best that's up there? And I want to be the best, but that's not the way the system works. Like you got to get up there, then do it again and then do it again. And then you find, you'll be able to find that, you know, that like, I guess strength to finish it or like, you know, the goal now more because they, you face defeat, I guess. And, 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 and some people don't like some competitors don't feel that face of defeat. They, they go, I'm just here for me. Um, I don't care if I'm dead last or first. Uh, like I, I had a guy that, that in my gym, there's two guys. And I was talking to them. Uh, I was probably 16 years old and I was getting pretty buff. I was getting, you know, like I was hiding though. That's what I was doing is I was using my body to hide uh, the really bad issues I had going on because it just everything was piling up and I was, I was lying to everybody about everything. And so the gym became the thing for me. And uh, there was, there was two guys. There was this one guy. He was about five foot four, a hundred and, 60 pounds. He was just so, he was so lean, older guy. His name was Mike Gould. And he was like, Shane, um, he would always take his shirt off in the gym. I was like, what the fuck, dude? It's fucking cold out. But, uh, and he had pierced nipples. Um, but I was like, uh, or he was like, dude, if he, I think you could be a really good bodybuilder, like you could, you could just cut this weight down. It's really easy. Just train the way, way I do. And the way he trained was very long and extensive training. Like he would be doing lap pull downs for 20 minutes. He would be, t- I mean, his meals. I mean, he's five years out of competing. He's done. This guy's done competing. He's still eating a quarter cup of rice, chicken breast, and asparagus. And I'm, uh, and 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 he's like, I'll I'll work out with you every single day, and and we'll get you there by the time you graduate high school. You'll be you'll be taking taking shows all over the place. I was like, wow, that's really cool. Let like I'll I'll sit and think on that. And then it was like a day or two later, this fucking monster walks in older guy and he's just like 
dude, you're kind of fucking built, bro. And I was like, hell yeah, man. He's like, uh, he's like, dude, if you want to fucking, I mean, we'll, we'll smash some weights. And this guy's benching 450. We'll smash some weights. Uh, dude, what, what, like supplements do you take? I'm like, creatine and protein. He's like, oh, we need to get you on Deca and Trent. And, he, and he's like, dude, we'll do like four sets of eight, six reps, whatever. We're going to max out pretty much every day. And I looked over at this guy who's natural, and he works so hard. And, and I looked at this lazy fuck. He was just a grease bag. Literally literally the gym equivalent of the angel and the devil on your shoulder in cartoons. <laughs> and, and, dude, I went one way, and I followed that big meathead. And, uh, but he taught me, he taught me a lot. Um, and then that's when I started using it as a, a, a form of, I guess, relief, uh, the gym, a, a way to get away. And that's what you were also doing too. Not only were you trying to, you're trying to change your appearance because you didn't like the one that you were, you, you were in, that one with all the questions and all, all this weight on your shoulders. You didn't like that skin. That's why you worked as fucking hard as you did. And that's why you, I really think if, if it, like, I honestly think if you want to be a fucking bow hunter that shoots bows with your feet, you could fucking do it and be great at it. You have this mind that really goes. I've always said it ever since I met you. You have a mind that puts the fucking pedal to the metal every single time I see you do something. And it's just so it's it's so crazy to me um, watching you because I'm like, man, if he just do like keep doing art for a couple weeks in a row and then like. You're, I mean, you're already putting stuff on paper that I'm like, this is going to be amazing once it's done. And then, yeah, I'll, I'll just see the posts dwindle away or you just you'll see it and be like, I don't like it anymore. And and just because you don't like it anymore doesn't mean that no, like everybody else around you doesn't fucking love it. I know you have expectations of yourself and the things that you do. But you don't need to be so hard on yourself that you affect every single type of relationship that you have with anything around you. I know, I, like comedy and podcasting. You're so hard on yourself that you're like, I need to record this episode again. I feel like I don't feel like I was right, which I respect the fuck out of that so much. But man, you're fucking hard on yourself, bro. Oh, yeah. Um. I don't know where that comes from, I guess. Um, I think it comes from the pain, man. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just knew it was important for people to, um, like want to include me and shit. I know it's always been important. Um, and so I just wanted to, I guess I just wanted to, demonstrate worth of having me around like maybe if i could do enough interesting shit people would be like god that's exactly it dude okay like this guy's worth having around because we need to have a guy that can do this or we need to have a guy that can do this or a guy that looks that sort of way um and uh yeah man i mean i've spent my entire life wanting to be the best at something and everything that I find, I watch somebody with more gifts step into it. And I'm just like, Oh, like I'm not going to be the best at this thing. Um, and it sucks because I feel like 
I probably need it more than that person normally does. But, like, you can't explain that to them. Yeah, man, it's... It's 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 a tough it's a tough it's a tough spot because I want to tell you like I want to tell you man you, you have to do it for yourself but being in a place where I've been competitive with people I see what what that me hold like me holding a trophy that says number 1 and that image that it shows to everybody around me you know the people that may talk to me every once in a while people that may see something I post maybe once every 5 years but it makes me feel like the world hasn't just forgotten that I exist. Like me, me doing something cool makes me feel, oh, yeah, like I, I, like hey everybody, look at I'm still doing cool shit, you know, like my life hasn't went to you know just waste or something like that. And so I relate to that so much, man. Yeah, man. I mean, if I can put something cool out there. I spend uh, a lot of time alone, um, way more than is healthy for me. Um, and when I feel alone, like I feel al- alone. Um, and uh, obviously that, that attributed itself to some unhealthy relationships I had with sex, as discussed in the last episode. Um, but if I don't... If I don't produce something, if I don't post a clip of a set, or if I don't post some art, or if I don't make a witty status update, like, nobody's calling a check on me, man. You know? Like, nobody's, like, fucking texting my phone, like, asking if I, like, the only interaction I have with people most days is, like, if I post one of these fucking episodes or if I post some art or if I have a good stand up set or if I fucking say something funny, like at least for just a short period of time, like there'll be some indicator of an interaction that I'm having with a person that I'm missing and it becomes present in my life, you know? Yeah. I've, I've, I've had like, I've had so much of a change since uh since Brad died like in looking at this and and mine really has kind of and I and I know that comes like I th- there's never going to be a day I'm alone in this house like there's never going to be a day I open up the door you know I don't have dogs and Timory and all these people and so with that being said I've also went from this world of really so bad, whether it being the stand-up comedy, whether it being powerlifting, whether it being the podcast um, or art or uh, like then I was trying to play semi-pro football just just because I wanted to do that. I wanted to give somebody uh, like I were not. I just wanted to show everybody that I was. I guess that I was fucking cool. That I I was trying to validate myself as being cool, and that I would worry so much on the response. And I've spent so much time to the amount of fucking posts I've deleted over the years just because it did. It was yeah. at five likes. Is embarrassing. It's embarrassing how many times I've done that. But um. And, and then I, I'll chalk it up to like, oh, people that aren't, aren't clever enough this morning yet for this poster, you know, like, but the amount of time that we spend so worried and I do it too, but fuck it. 
Yeah, dude. I mean, there's so many, <laughs> there's so many days where, uh, like I'm feeling like extra low. And so I'll post something just for the fucking algorithm to bury it and for nobody to see it. And, uh, I'll be like, damn dude, like I want to fucking drive my car off a fucking bridge today. And this fucking nerdy ass fucking robot algorithm <laughs> is doing nothing to fucking help me right now. <laughs> Dude, give me fucking a million views on this one goddamn video today. I feel like shit. Dude, I like I remember I remember I got back from fucking deployment. I was in Iraq for a fucking ye- year, you know? Like it was it wasn't bad, you know? Like I'm not I'm not going to pretend that it was, but like, I don't know. It's probably worse than fucking whatever you were doing in this fucking country at the time. You know, like it it was fucking less cool than that. I can promise you that much. And I remember getting back home and like making a like, Hey, I fucking didn't fucking have a mortar land on me. Look, I made it. And it got like fucking 30 likes, dude. And like that same day, Somebody fucking posted a clip of them like mouthing the words of a Kevin Hart sketch and it got like 300. And I remember just thinking, like, <laughs> dude, the world's so fucking unfair. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I feel you. <laughs> oh, man. But like, so I just want to ask, and I don't, and I guess this kind of does correlate with the topic for today. But so you, you do you have something that allows you to, I don't know. It's like your uh, lucky 50 cent or whatever, 50 cent piece, whatever, $2 bill, your lucky $2 bill that you go to, to get you out of a funk, like go to a movie, do this, you know, go fishing by yourself or in anything. Do you have a one thing that is like the thing that gets you out of this? Yeah, man. I mean, for a long period of time, having sex with a random stranger I met on the internet did that for me. I kind of thought that was going to be where yeah, you went. For, you know, I mean, it was like when I was like at my peak of that, um, which is a low in my life, ironically enough, it felt like. I was Babe Ruth fucking pointing to where the fucking baseball was going to go. Like I would, I would see someone and I would just think like, I'm going to see this person naked (laughs) and then it would be happening. And I'd be like, I fucking called it. Like, (laughs) like also too the, the having sex thing, it really, because there's so many layers to it because you want like you want to feel love or be around somebody you don't want to feel alone but then you also want to like and and you get like in this few hours dude you get to be a fucking cool guy you know and you're you're doing the coolest thing in in most dudes eyes you're having sex and you're you know but yeah, I mean, but it's these layers like things with the gym too. You want to look good. You have, and so you get to put all of those pieces together to get your release. Exactly. Yeah, that's literally what I was gonna say. Like, I was able to present. I was able to present the version of myself that I had worked so hard to be in every aspect. I was able to be as charming as possible. I was able to demonstrate intelligence. I could fucking flex my vocabulary. I could be fucking funny and likable and relatable. I could fucking talk about 
all the shit I've done and all the fucking hobbies I have and all the skills I have. And then the icing on the cake was this body that I worked so fucking hard to have. Um, and I could just get, it was a one-stop shop for validation. You know, I you wanted I, them to feel thankful for the first half of the day. I'm being told how fucking unique and funny and interesting I am. And the second half of the day, I'm, you know, having a girl that's, having trouble taking back shots, you know, and uh, it was just fine for me. Yeah. You wanted them to be thankful for that. The fact that they were banging Zach Vaughn that day. You, you wanted them to be thankful. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, I mean, uh, I mean, we joke, we joke about that, but it, it's, it's, it's actually caused a lot of damage in your life, man. In your, in, in, in your, in your mind, dude, like it's something that we've talked about. I know we've talked about it numerous times. Yeah. It, um, um, so my relationships after everything happened with my brother, like immediately were, what now I know are probably like a good example of trauma bonding, right? Where I would, uh, I would find a girl that was interested in me and I was inc incredibly monogamous. I just wanted one person to be obsessed with me. So I'd find somebody that was interested with me and I'd go zero to a hundred like that, you know, and it would work out norm. I mean, it, not in the long run, but like it would, you know, we date or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, and I remember starting to feel really, um, and rightfully so, uh, like insecure with how quickly I was being like, I, I love this person, you know? Um, I knew my friends weren't doing that. So then going back to the overwhelming fear of my life that something's wrong with my fucking brain, I'm like, well, if other people aren't doing it that way, like, what does this say about me? So then I'm like, I need to just go as far in the opposite direction of that as possible. Um, and so then my relationships with women became very like self-serving and very transactional. Like you're here because we're going to do this and then you don't have to fucking be here anymore. Um, and, uh, it, it's like, it's like when all of that happened, right? Mm -hmm. Like it turns something off in my brain, something, you know, um, it just flips some fucking switch in there. And then the more I started assessing whether or not something's wrong with me, something's genuinely wrong with me the more of those switches I just start flipping by myself, you know? Um, I would I would see something about myself that I didn't like, and I'd be like, that's another fucking switch to flip off. And now I have a brain that I just flipped so many things off in. Mm -hmm. um, and I have, I try, I'm at a point now where like a relationship would probably feel pretty nice, you know? Like it would probably feel pretty fulfill, like fulfilling for me. Um, I had ironed out enough things in my life upon moving to Davenport that apart from this major depressive spill that I'm examining through this podcast and trying to figure out 
why it's happening apart from that, which I assume is temporary. Um, things are stable. Like, uh, things are like feel balanced for the first time in my life. And I just, when I ended like my last serious relationship, I always just thought that when I wanted it again, I could just reach out and grab it. Like I was so used to getting everything that I wanted mm -hmm. and, um, I would have to fucking dodge relationships, right? I would have to have that fucking awkward conversation like this is nothing, you know? And so the irony of it is is now I'm like, okay, like let's – we've done some work on ourselves. We've spent some time being introspective. We've addressed some issues. We're actively trying to mend some issues like let's, you know, let's try this. Let's try this from like a healthier perspective. And – um it's like, it's like I just can't get my footing, and and when I do, like I don't feel confident. I feel like a, like a scared little kid. You know, there have been maybe that's good though for you. Maybe that's good for you to be a little scared or, or nervous or or have that feeling that you would only have before you did have relationships like that. Yeah, dude, my world didn't reward me for being soft or emotionally vulnerable. You know, like my world fucking shit all over me for those things. Um, so not always fair, man, not yeah. always fair because it, that doesn't have to, that doesn't have to be what, you, what you always believe, man. Sometimes, sometimes it is okay to be a little bit, you know, when you, when you are vulnerable or you're scared or nervous about things, man, it, actually deeper below that means that you're excited like and that's a good that's a good thing but you're also you're you're, ex you're excited in a way that you're also scared so you always you're always focusing on the thing that's bad about something when there it could be the opposite like it, but it, it like with you you're you're an all or nothing type guy you 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 like you give so much or you give so little like and um I think especially with, you know, like especially relationship type stuff, moving, like moving forward, I just, it, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. It, it just. Yeah. I mean, I've had uh, issues with that. Not too long ago. Um, not too long ago, I started talking to a girl and it was supposed to be casual. It was mm -hmm. supposed to be really casual. Um, and it's easy for me to do that. Like the likelihood that I'm speaking to a girl that I'm also incredibly interested in romantically is like fucking one in 50 dude, you know? Um, it's pretty good odds. If there's like Woodfield. a, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of like bodies spanning that gap, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, she was looking for some casual. I was looking for whatever, you know? And I started like getting to know this girl and I started, it started feeling like I wasn't like in, I was so excited about her. Like I was so like, 
geeked to know her. Like she, she checked off so many boxes for me. And like, there was like this chemistry that just hit on all levels. And I like, you know, that guard or whatever started slipping, you know, and there was every reason in the world to not take this girl seriously. You know, her, she had kids, she had an incredibly fucking toxic, I mean, an out of this world toxic uh, father of uh, those kids. She had just walked out of that relationship. So like every, every red flag that existed that I had became so adept at being able to like point out, I'm just like, it doesn't matter. Like the way that I'm feeling right now is so rare and so profound and so special that it supersedes all of that. And I know that I have to be feeling this way for some reason, but for some fucking example of divine intervention, right? Like I know that how I'm feeling right now is special and unique enough that I can endure the reality that is everything else that comes with you or is what I thought. Um, and this girl would make me feel so special. Like, like the way she would like communicate, um, her feelings and her thoughts about me and her opinions about me. Like nobody had ever done that before, you know? And so I'm feeling this profound way. She's feeling this profound way where she's saying that I'm something equally rare to her. And, uh, you know, it still doesn't work out, man. Cause like real life, like real life things fucking happen, you know? And, uh, I just feel like, I just feel like I get so excited when I find a human being that feels like that makes me feel things, you know, that like flips those switches back on for me because I, I know, like, I know the reality of it. I know how many years span in between those people in my life. Like I know that I, I've spent years, years in between them, right. Mm-hmm. Without feeling it mm-hmm. that I'm just like, I have to capture this thing. Like it becomes an all or nothing thing. It's like, I can't like, I, I fucked up one time and lost it or I fucked up another time and lost it. Um, and, uh, I just, you know, I just can't, I can't do that again. Like I have to, and again, going back to it, dude, like I've just, I'd been used to being able to figure out how to get the things that I wanted in life, like through tenacity or through perseverance or through whatever I'd like, I'd always, if there was something that I wanted, I would always figure out how to attain it. Mm -hmm. Always like the workload was insignificant. And so here's like a person that I want, you know, and I just can't, you just can't figure it out. People have different lives. They're fucking, there are things attached to them. And I spend all this time in my own head trying to take an inventory of who I am and why I am and why I do the things I do and why I feel the way I feel. And yeah, I just get so like lonely and 
you just want to reach out and and feel something that feels authentic and genuine with anyone but you're such a fucking ball of chaos and fucking disaster that you just fucking crash into these people you know and you just fuck up their things and like their situations and uh which is never my intention to do that um but it happens like it fucking happens a lot dude um i i've done so many shitty things in my life that i had the best of intentions in starting out you know mm-hmm I, I never mean to hurt anyone, but like I fucking hurt a lot of people, dude. I've hurt a lot of people, a disproportionate amount of people. Do you think a lot of them are still thinking about how much you hurt them though? I don't know, man, because I know the way my brain works. And if somebody fucking hurt my feelings in fucking third grade, I'm still thinking about it. Same so. here. I'm the exact same way. See, I, I, I do the same thing. And honestly, I've always had a problem of. I went from a very long relationship. I poured you another one right here if if you want it, Bob. But I went from uh, one long relationship to the next to the next because I always needed that somebody. I always needed that somebody at the end of the day that's going to be like, Shane, it's going to be okay. But I never even gave myself time to wait in between. I just always wanted to be loved by everybody so much. I had this issue. like, And, and if I could just – it. I I remember I remember one time I was uh, right out of high school and this my, one of my friends Haley she said hey come up to Mammoth I've got a friend she is actually a runway model she is a complete ten out of ten she sends me pictures of her she's like you're gonna come get this I was like okay I get over there and dude this woman is literally like ten out of ten Tyra Banks. And I ended up leaving with uh, the soccer player that was about six out of ten because she told me that she lost her puppy that day. And uh, my heart was so much more with this girl because it was, you know, it was so sad what she was saying. I was connecting with her so much that me and the supermodel, we ain't got nothing in common. <laughs> like, but I could feel the love from this person and it just drew me to them. And so love is always drawing me to people. And that's what I have a problem with though. I, I give people so much love and I don't, you know, like, I'm, it's not that I don't feel like I get it back. It just feels like sometimes it's wasted. The other, the other day we just had one that was certain, not the other day, but a couple months ago, we had one that was so bad. This girl love her. I fucking love her. Timory fucking loves her. We were, and we had just left, uh, her baby shower where, and it's not about love isn't money or anything like that, but we brought like all kinds of diapers and, and food for the party and everything like this. And we're just like, we love you. And all the, every time we ever see them, it's, we love you. And then it was just over this thing because Timory joined a different burlesque group. This girl says, I can't talk to you anymore because you're a part of this. And I was like, oh, what the? What the fuck? Like, you know, burlesque girls, they have all their fucking drama over shit. But it was like, I, f- like, I literally love you. And you're just, yeah, it's, it's for my own personal, like, reasons, but I can't associate with that. And it's like, just a smack in the face. Like, dude, I literally, I know it's so fucking cliche to say I would do anything for you, but I, like, I don't care whether it's a, it's like, I, I love so many people. Like, I don't care. I would do anything for you. What the fuck does this mean? Like, it, it's just, I, 
and I've always just been a person that wants to like, I just right away, I just find the best qualities in people. And I, I uh, illuminate them. Like I make them the biggest things possible. I forget about the bad things that are in that person. And then I find myself getting burned sometimes, but I don't, I, I think that maybe, I think that maybe you are the, a little bit different because you wait for people to see your great qualities and you want them to love you for that rather than, and, and then you're like, you're, and you're just so you're, you're wanting to be so fast to love people to love you. And I get that, but you're just wanting people to see so much. I don't, I don't know, man. It's, you're so complicated. You're such a complicated creature, buddy. <laughs> um, so going back to what you were talking about, it's it's funny talking about like needing people to like love you or whatever. I like or needing somebody, dude. Like I I shit on so many people in my life that like are always in a relationship. You know, they'll like get out of a relationship and be on one. I'll be like, you fucking you need somebody. Like you need somebody around, or like there will be fucking there'd be times where I stopped leading a girl along and she found a guy that probably treated her how she deserved to be treated. And then, you know, months later I'm fucking horny or whatever. I'm like, Hey, what's up? And they're like, I'm in a relationship and I'll be like, you need somebody, you know, like there's so many moments in my life where I like, I've talked shit about somebody needing someone and like, I'm the worst of it. I just wasn't like, for me, it just wasn't one person though. For me, I needed everyone. I needed a whole fucking cult of people to fucking love and obsess over me. Like one wasn't enough. Like I needed that feeling from every person that I fucking bumped into my entire life. Um, and I still like, I would still have the audacity to be like, to harass people or make fun of people or poke fun at people that just needed one person to tell them they were enough when I needed the fucking world mm -hmm. to tell me I was enough. I've always like, I've always, I don't know. I said this to Tim Ray, maybe five, five years ago. Like I felt like, you know, when the people like the gold miners, they like sift through the dirt and they get in the water that, with the big giant sifter. Yeah. And so they're looking for gold. They're looking for gold. And I always felt like I'm the guy that's just looking for gold and every piece of gold is love. And so like, I felt like I was the guy that found like, like here I find this little gold nugget. Like, Oh, you love me. Like you're a person that loves me. And maybe I find 10 of those 10, 20 at some point in my life. I feel 20 real hardcore love from 20 people, friends, family, um, you know, Timory, whatever, kids, everything. And then I keep sifting and then, you know, a few more of them are too small and they fall through and maybe a few more come. They're bigger, you know, like they're the bigger gold nuggets. And then at the end of it, when you're finally done sifting, you're going to have five or six and five or six of those fucking gold nuggets. Or maybe you only have one or two, but they're the fucking best thing that you got, dude. And, and those are the ones that like, you, your prized possessions, those are the people that you love and they love you. And there's nothing that separates that. And those type of things, they can come and go. They can come and go. Yes, you can love somebody with your whole heart and then moving forward, it's just not there. But you have to appreciate those type of things. And those things are beautiful and whole. But man, like your, your circle, when we always want it to be just so massive, the only ones at the end is just going to be a small group of people. And... 
and there's there's gonna be a, like there's a million people out there that like would but I mean love you but the people at the end the ones that you finally the ones that are always there for you no matter what man that's what that's what you'll get at the end and and you're doing some sifting right now dude and and I know it sucks it sucks but there's a perfect person waiting for you and there's a lot more perfect friends that do want to hear you talk like this because a lot of a lot of your closest friends you know that don't know the some of the shit that we've talked about today they're going to feel like they know you a hundred times more. And these are the people that are around you the most right now. And so if they're not even seeing that real you, what are you also giving to other, other people that you're meeting for one day where you don't feel like, Hey, comfortable bro. Like I see you every month or every week for six months. But now I have a person in front of me that maybe I want to fall in love with that. I've went on three dates with, you have to I know this is this is going to help you dude everything when you talk about shit that actually makes you who you are and people never see it when people see it the way that they'll look at you will be different I, I, I it really will and and the way you look back yeah man I think <clears throat> I think a lot of my life could have um been made infinitely better if I had just learned how to be okay with myself you know if i could just it sounds so cliche to say if i could just learn how to love myself and uh i don't fucking i don't know how to do that you know yet um, hopefully it comes it gets so frustrating though i think you should love parts of yourself first like because you you do you're proud of the fact that you were fucking jacked after after you got back and you when you were doing all the power or powerlifting bodybuilding you were you you were proud of yourself for moments. You know that you were. You look at yourself back and you go, "I was proud of that." And you, you have podcast episodes or um, comedy sets where you look back at yourself and go, "Hey, I'm proud of that." Yeah, but I'm not able to. I'm not able to keep those moments because all of those moments to me represent the absence of them in my life now so yeah like at one point in time in my life i looked i mean i have such bad body dysmorphia dude that i never looked in the mirror and felt good about it but like i can look back in hindsight and be like oh, i looked good then so there are times in my life where like i was in real like really really good shape you know that i was there are times in my life where i was really really strong um, there were times in my life when I was really, really funny, you know, and now I just look back at all of those moments and I'm like, well, I can't fucking bench 350 pounds anymore. I'm not at fucking 10% body fat anymore. Um, and I'm not getting fucking put on shows anymore. So, I mean, what, why the fuck does it matter? Like, I never wanted to be that dude that you saw at the gym, you know? That was fucking sitting around, not working, talking to people. And he'd come over and he'd maybe he'd fucking ask him for a spot, you know? And he's like, you know, back in my day, uh-huh. I could bench 400 pounds. I uh-huh. never wanted to be that guy because who the fuck cares? <laughs> yeah. Who, who, the, who gives a shit? But now that's all I am, dude. 
There's nothing in my life that I'm proud of right now. There's nothing. All I can do is talk about shit that I used to be proud of. You know, like I can't fucking dude, like comedy was going to be it for me. Right. Like it was going, it was going to be the thing. Like I was, I had none of the gifts or talents that you think you should have on paper to be a bodybuilder or a powerlifter. I was a fucking. But you thought that you. Did I was. I was point. a fucking endomorphic kid, you <laughs> know, with fair. with some fucking poor bro- bone structure that wasn't a natural athlete. Um, that that spent most of his life grossly overweight. Um, that got you know that got in good shape. You know, they got they got in good shape. Um, but like, I was always funny dude i was always funny you know i was always a clown like i could always find a way to make somebody laugh i was always charming like i could like i could figure that shit out and so when the fucking rug got pulled underneath me in terms of trying to pursue powerlifting or bodybuilding you know thanks to the the fucking pandemic right Mm -hmm. i'm like I'm like, I can just put all of my eggs in this bag. Like I can, if I could just put the same effort that I fucking put into bodybuilding or powerlifting or trying to do this thing that seemed something else insurmountable into this thing that like, I'm already, I'm naturally good at Like I'm naturally gifted at this Mm -hmm. thing. Then like, it's, it's going to work out. You're like, I just have to, I just have to figure out how to work, you know? And then you get into it and you're like, oh, like I'm not in the fucking right area code for it to super duper work out or like, oh, I don't have the opportunities for it to like super work out. But you know what, dude? Like I still, I worked, you know, I, I fucking, when I got into it, I would drive five hours to fucking Des Moines <clears throat> to do Teehees and I, I would drive fucking four hours to do the fucking Iowa City Yacht Club <laughs> And then CU Comedy opened up and I would fucking drive 50 minutes to do fucking Nola's or Pizzeria Antica or the Canopy Club. And I would go up there with these fucking sets that I had fucking worked out and tried polishing on my own. And I would do okay. But doing okay was better than most of the people around me. And I'm like, man, like I would love to, the feeling that I would get to like kill, but like, I'll take this, like it's progressing, it's working. And I fucking moved to Davenport and like shit fucking got hot for me. It fucking heated up. And finally I felt like people were looking at the shit that I was saying on stage and the way that I was delivering it and my joke structure and my unique brand of me. And they'd be like, like, holy shit, you know, like there's something here. There's something. I remember doing a set at the office and fucking a, a really big local comic, you know, that I looked up to came up to me. And he's like, you're the most naturally funny person here. You're out of this room. It was a slow day at the office, but <laughs> he's out of this room. Like it meant everything to me, dude, because now it wasn't just something that I was saying in my head. It was something that was fucking verified. And, you know, I just, I just got sad, you know, I just got sad and I just needed people to fucking give me a little bit. I just needed people to give me a little bit of fucking time and to not fucking give up on me. And everyone gave up on me, dude. And it was the thing that I thought, dude, I was so convinced 
I was convinced that I fucking found it. There was a period of time where people made me feel like I found that thing that was going to make me feel okay in this world and okay existing in this world and something that I could provide value in. Dude, I can't get anything from anyone now. In, you know? Like it's not it's not even fucking fun for me anymore. I have to go up on stage and fucking prove myself to people. Like have like if I was on your show in the last year, tell me a show I let you down. Like uh, please, like dude, I just, I man, I mean it. It is, it is, it is a weird, it is a weird area, man. Like you, you. I mean, I've been, I've been, I mean, I spent a lot of time um, lately with Timry going. Like, I did, you know, like, you know, that's thirty five minutes, like a few, like a month back, and uh, I'm really not seeing much coming in, and I'm like, dude, like. And then one person said, it's because you're a gimmick comic. And I, I don't care what I am or am not. Dude, that hurts my fucking feelings to be told. Hey, you know what, man? Like, you're, like, you're the gimmick of the show because you have a different – just because I have a different style doesn't mean that I'm a like, – I'm not a – I'm not a joke. Yeah, I want my jokes to get laughs. My, and, I, and I've felt that I've done really well at shows, but – Man, I I don't I don't like hearing that I'm a gimmick. Like it just doesn't because I, I you know I I work hard on perfecting this craft too. I think about this I think about this thing a lot, and so it does it, it does especially when you go into a room. Like I, I there's not been too many times I've seen you go into a room and not do extremely well. And yeah, um, there are, there are two times I want to go back because uh, I got so angry. Uh, yeah, that I wasn't thinking clearly. Two shows. There are two. <laughs> there are two people that can say anything about me. The last year, uh, the headlining show that I did for you, Shane. <laughs> you don't need to do this. <laughs> um, yeah, dude. Uh, fuck. I mean, that place had such bad vibes that one of our friends that spent a lot of time there. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, that show fucking sucked, but I. I put a lot of pressure on myself for that show to suck too much. Uh, yeah. Um, and then, uh, rookies in, uh, some fucking podunk town, uh, that Austin put me on. It was the one Austin show that I didn't have a fucking good set on. And halfway through that set, I just started harassing the people of whatever fucking bum fuck town that was, um, as much as I could. Um, so two, two instances, but anyone else? Hey, anyone else? Give me an example. Man, I know, I know you didn't get banned. We were on the same show together, and somehow I get banned from the same. Oh, I hate and it. you no, don't. God, God damn it! I hated that Buffalo show too. <laughs> I uh, so three three instances, but yeah, maybe uh, maybe you're right. Maybe I do fucking suck at comedy. I should fucking stop talking. But. You don't suck. You're just so hard on yourself all the time. What, how how long have we been down here? Hour and eighteen minutes. Oh shit, dude, we're cooking fine. Um, do you, do you feel like do you feel like like I don't know because you go back to things. So like when when things don't feel good or right, like comedy kind of maybe or, or art. So you like loop back to it? Is it like you remember something that you love about comedy or art or music? Is it something that you look back and go, 
you know what? Tonight, maybe I just want to draw. Is it tonight? That just makes that just reminds me of the day I drew this picture. I just wanted this is going to make me happy. Yeah, I, there's some of that. I'm sure. Um, like I can't produce art if I'm not in the mood to produce art. I just can't, which is why I do it so seldomly. Mm-hmm. There have been plenty of times where I've I've been on a hot streak with art that I wake up not feeling art, but I'm like, I'm going to force myself to push the pins to this paper. You know, I'm going to force myself to work through it. And, uh, it just turns out trash. It is, it's just, it's literally something that so much of myself is infused into that I can't recreate it. I can't pretend, I can't pretend my way through it. Um, but I think a lot of what it is, is just like, okay, this thing was giving me what I needed to feel okay about myself. And now it's not anymore. Like, let me unbox this other talent that I have. And maybe this will give me what I fucking need from it. You know, what's your favorite? What's your, I mean, God, this is such a hard question to ask in the not right now. Is, is comedy your favorite hobby? Is it your favorite thing? I just wonder yeah, because I think I but, think if I'm being I think if I'm being objective about it, like when I look at comedy, um, I think I have enough of the comedy tools naturally available to me um, that it's my favorite because I think that it has. I mean, I know this is a super fucking nerdy, not fucking passionate way to describe comedy, but I, I am passionate about it, but. I think that I have enough of the, like the tools necessary in my toolbox that it has the highest likelihood of me receiving what I need to from it. Where I think a lot of the other like skills or hobbies I have, like it's like, it's like earlier when I was talking about like being stage ready in shape versus like being in shape for the gym. Right. A lot of people look at my art and they're like, holy shit. Like, wow. Stage ready. Yeah. Wow. Like you're super fucking talented, but then you put it up against the big show and you're like, no, like this is just good for the, like, this is just good for people that don't fucking know what good is. Like that's, that's what it is. Like not to insult anybody that said anything nice about my art, it means so much to me to hear it, but I try being as realistic with myself as possible always, mm-hmm. um, maybe to the point of being self-deprecating, but I try just being as real as possible. My art is not good in the grand scheme of art. It's not, it's not, it's, it's elementary. You know, there are people, it's actually quite unique. There are people, uh, I'm biased, but there are people that start off doing art that I mean, real great ones that are producing art that I've spent my entire life trying to produce. Like it's just, and then there, there are literal tools. I don't have my toolbox, like acrylics are easy, but I'm not great at them. Like I'm not great at using acrylics to such a degree that I can create like depth and, and like scenery. I'm not great at backgrounds at all in any medium. I'm not great at, I'm not great at perspective, Um, I'm not, I tried doing oil painting for a while. Suck at fucking oil. Like Mm -hmm. I show you guys like the, the 
best example of what I can do using like the tools that I have for obvious reasons. You know, it's like, it's like stepping on stage as a comedian and only doing your fucking a material when you know, you need to be fucking working on a new joke. That's what I do. Every time I post art on fucking Instagram, I'm not showing you guys all the fuck ups. Like I'm not showing you guys me experimenting with something I haven't tried before. So you can fucking look at something that means a lot to me and be like, well, this isn't as good as the last thing you did. Like, uh, huh. Yeah, you uh, – I just want to let you know, I asked you what your favorite thing to do is, and it, it I mean, it's, it was probably com- about – comedy. Eight, <laughs> it was a problem – like, this is how in-depth your brain thinks about something. When I would ask a – I don't know, at, I mean, I've had a, a million people down here, but um, I'd ask somebody, hey, what's your favorite thing to do? And they'd be like, ballet. Boom. Your brain has to go into every no, it's depth. Not, it's not ballet. Ballet is not my favorite thing. I said comedy. And I understand that. But your brain I don't has even to know, go. I don't even know ballet, so I don't know why. They cr- I know that their toes end up <laughs> fucked up. Um, I mean, I have bad. fucked up toes, but I can't. I'm not a ballerina. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll check into that later. But, I mean, you have to go. That, that's how much you think about every aspect of life. I I really do think that I, I do the same thing in my own stupid ass brain. Like I literally, if you ask me something, I would do the same thing. I'm processing, I'm processing. I have a sketchbook. I have, I probably have 70 sketchbooks, like 20 of them right here beside us where I have done two lines on a page next. Yeah. <laughs> two lines on a page next. Yeah. Or I, I like, then I was sold. My, I was sold. My claim to fame was clay, clay molding. I was going to make like animated pictures, dude. I fucking started clay molding over and over again. Just ended up with the clay like this in my hand. Just smush. Just squishing the whole thing together over and over. And I realized I fucking suck at this. <laughs> <laughs> um, my advice to anyone out there that's getting into art um, because I do the same thing, a couple lines on a paper and I throw it away. What you should do is, um, buy really expensive paper. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, no, it's I'm, so smart. I, uh, I use, uh, Archer, uh, cold pressed watercolor paper and it's like fucking $30 for seven pages. And when paper costs that much fucking money to waste, you figure out how to unfuck your way out of a fucked up sketch. Like once the stakes are that high and you're like, I have seven pages in this book that I spent 30 fucking dollars for. That is fucking brilliant. You you figure out how to not throw away and waste paper. Oh man, you've just changed the course of my art for forever. I swear to God, I'm not even saying this as a, I, I'm going to do it. I mean, I, it's so, I started drawing a picture of a a giraffe or a friend, two lines or just jawline. And I'm like, no, nope. I don't want those erase marks. Cause if, the, when this turns into like Picasso, you know, when this turns into the best piece of art artwork I've ever produced, I don't want that one line there reminding me, but man, that is a smart idea. It's like when you buy all the fucking supplements, put them in your house. You're like, okay, 
your move. You just wasted all your fucking money at GNC. It's when you start a steroid cycle and you know that you've shut off the production of hormones in your body, so you might as well stick with it. it yeah. <clears throat> or when you're like, hey, it's just going to keep me here, and like I'm not going to gain any weight, but I'm not gaining anything. Then the second you're fucking off the gear, you're like, all right, I'm really <laughs> going to hit it hard now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also use... Um, you could use like a hard graphite pencil and get the same effect, but I use non-photo blue pencils for my outlines. Super easy erasing. So there you go. There's my two tips for, for you and the listeners. Do your outlines with non-photo blue pencils. And you've been talking about Patreon a lot. Um, so once this Patreon's up and going, um, everyone could buy an original sketch from you and me. We'll do a half and half. Like we'll put our artwork together. Maybe that's what the Quad Cities is missing. I'm meeting with somebody tomorrow to uh, um, illustrate uh, like a children's book, like a children's joke book. For real? Yeah. <sighs> I mean, I might. And you're not I, getting noticed for I, anything. I, to- I told them Except I would. Life. I told them I would. Uh, I'd give them a shot. You know, like I'm. S- I'm so inconsistent when it comes to art because again, I can't, I can't force it when, uh, when it's not there, but other things I've been able to like the other hobbies I've had, like if it's not there, I can still, I mean, barring a major injury in the gym, like I could fucking, if it's not there, I could find it in my fucking spirit to figure it out. Comedy, you know, like if I'm not feeling going, I never feel like going up on stage, Uh, like, like, that period of time when you're waiting for your fucking set, you're waiting for your spot in the open mic roster, whatever it may be. Like there's never any of those moments where I'm like, like anxious or excited to get up on stage. Like I'm anxious and excited for it to be done. I'll go, I'll go up there. I'll do my Zach Vaughn joke telling persona, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and then I'll leave the stage and I'll breathe the fucking sigh of relief that I fucking live to see another open mic because that's all I do now. I know that you know that I have a scatterbrain, but I, I want to tell you something, too, because to loop back to something we said earlier today, I feel like this is just like. So I am on a show um, in January, just got asked today, asked, got asked to make the lineup. And dude, I went, this is the way my brain thinks in reference towards you. They said, Hey, we'd like you to have two or three more comedians before you doing some time. And I went, Zach won't want to do it. I said, cause, uh, he fucking hated the last show I put on. I was like, like, I mean, that's just the way I fucking thought. I'm like, God damn. Or, and then I get back to it. I'm like, dude, I would, I want to ask him. Like, I haven't asked anybody. I haven't said anything. But I'm like, I think about the way that you think about. I mean, like when you when you're worried about something like that show, like when we did that comedy show, you fucking hated it. You hated it. And now I'm, I'm like, does he hate me? Like my am I like am I tied in with that? Well, it's just like it was just humiliating for me like i i wasn't ready for a headlining spot like i didn't have like a tight 30 minutes of material so what i had to do was like dig through my old library of jokes and find the jokes that worked in the past that hadn't been part of my 
like 18 or 20 that I consistently been doing. I had to pull those jokes out. And so I focused so hard on those jokes and getting those jokes tight because they hadn't been getting the reps. And I go up on stage and I tell all of those jokes, which are like my B material jokes. Uh-huh. Like those are the jokes that I had written before I had like really hit a hot streak. I forgot to tell almost any of the jokes that I fucking love telling. And when, by the time I got to it, it was an afterthought. Now, on top of that, I had people there that I respected and cared about that had never seen me do stand up before. And all I had been telling them is like, I'm good at this. Like, I'm good at this. Like I have like a, a real talent for this. Like you guys are going to fucking enjoy it. And I just wasn't fucking good that day, man. And, uh, Dude, like, yeah, by the time I got on, like, I just felt so low. Like, I felt like I felt like I tricked people. Like, I felt like I had, like, tricked people into showing up to something for me. Um, people that haven't seen me do stand-up since, you know? They could have watched any other weekend prior to that and any weekend following that, and they would have had a better time watching me do 15 to 20 minutes, but they came to that show, you know, that was their example of me. Um, it bugs me, man. Like, I don't like letting people down. Like, I just want to always like put my best foot forward. Like it's just, it's the most important thing to me. Um, you know, and I think, I think that's why I do consistently well with stand up. you know, like, cause that dialogue's always there in my brain. Like somebody took a chance on me. Like I can't let this person down. Like if I let this person down, like, you know, I, I feel like I had attached my name to my brother when we were growing up, you know, I feel like he was fucking up and I feel like I was the only person in his corner. You know, I feel like I was the only person that's like, He's not, he's not that bad. Like he's just going, cause he, I got a different side of him. You know, he was my brother. He took care of me and, uh, man, dude, like attaching my name to that, like that fucking person for that shit to happen. Like fucking like putting all my cards in like that fucking deck just for, to be humiliated as tragically as possible. Like never again, I don't attach my name to anyone dude and if i do attach my name to somebody if i fucking vouch for a human being and they let me down i'll never speak to you again in my entire life and i know that about myself so i just don't do it i just don't do it yeah yeah honestly i honestly don't have much other unless you want me to try to make a joke or something (laughs) i yeah i I know that feeling, man. I, I, I know that feeling in return. Like when my stuff was happening, dude. So I'm talking like when I was molested as a kid, like when that stuff was happening, I was with the wealthiest girl in town, the rich family. I was poor as fuck. We were a broke family, dude. And here I am having to tell her a lie of, what I did to steal money from this guy who ran away and disappeared. Um, like all this stuff. And like, they were like, you stole money. They said that I extorted money from this guy till everything started like, Whoa, there's so much going on. 
But I had to lie, lie. And I was like, dude, I was something so fucking bad. And here I am, the fucking victim. Like, dude, no, I'm the one that's fucking hurting. Like, I'm the one that just wants to fucking cry and tell somebody something. And everybody's like, dude, don't hang out with Shane. Don't, you can't be a, like, and they all thought it was this when it, it, it wasn't, dude, I'll never forget. I was dating this one girl, they're dating that girl. And, and her dad walked up to me and he said, I fucking defended you around everybody that you would never steal money from somebody. And I was just sitting there like, and that was all coming because he, this fucking, the, the school board president put $1,500 cash in my fucking book, in my locker to ne- not say anything. Wrote a note. Don't ever tell anybody. Dude, here I am, this fucking victim. Dude, my fucking parents, man. Dude, that was the worst fucking summer of my life, man. That was the worst time of ever. At the worst exact moment of my life was knowing that I had been, I'd like, I had been the victim of what the fuck was going on. But my parents thought I stole. And they never even asked me what really went on. But I was just in trouble. So I had to quit football. And I had to spend the summer. There was this big pile. I mean, it was the size of a fucking... You're in my trucks parked side by side of asphalt. Like ripped up road. And uh, I had to go to the office every day of the summer. And I had to shovel that fucking asphalt into a wheelbarrow and I had to move it like 30 feet over. And then once the pile was over there, I had to start again three, four days later and take that fucking pile back and put it in the other pile. And they said, if you want to act like a fucking inmate, we're going to treat you like a fucking inmate. All this shit, dude. And he like, and, and literally I'm like thinking to myself, like, wouldn't it just be easier to just tell everybody what the fuck happened? And I just fucking couldn't. And so I was so scared and living with that weight and just doing the shit. But I was playing the, I was, everybody just perceived me as something that they would completely, everybody would completely look at me in a different way if I just told the truth. Or if they just knew, they would feel like pieces of shit. But dude, I never had the benefit of the doubt once. Never once, never once. And this guy was known to do this shit for hundreds of kids. And no one once ever asked me. I had one guy, he was uh, a baseball coach, um, and he was also the head detective. uh, And he kept saying, if you can just tell the truth about things, there's a lot of people who will be free of this. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, that nice baseball bat. And your glove, like... I know what family you come from. You didn't get that bat and glove from your family. If you can just tell the truth of what happened, you're going to save a lot of kids. Boom. Yeah, dude. I still hold that weight, man. I still hold that weight. I still hold that weight to today. This guy's off the grid. I've looked it up where he is. Like, There's so many things that I feel so guilty about. And then I also want to feel myself pity and myself, you know, like, look at me. Look at how good I'm doing. I'm I'm not just another statistic. I'm not just a I'm just not a broken person, but I'm I'm somebody that makes like people want to get up in the morning. That's what I want. I want you to like I know I'm a good guy. I know I'm I, I know how much I love people. And then and then you wait. And you wait and you wait and you wait. Dude, and s- 
And you just want that love back. And sometimes it doesn't matter who you're looking at. Sometimes, you know, you just want people to relate with you for a minute. You know, and, and it's so fucking hard. Because it's like we have so many people around us that are going through so much shit. Like, dude, all the time. And then sometimes like I see and hear. I watch your fucking podcast. I, well, I fucking work with you. Everything. And I hear sometimes when you're really fucking sad. And that's. That's enough for me to, you know, come home and go like, yeah, Zach fucking hung up the fucking phone on me again and said, don't fucking talk to me until tomorrow. Click. And I know he's going through something tonight, you know, like. <sighs> so, yeah, I, I think you're doing it. I think you're doing a really good thing, man. Talking like, especially your last episode is a lot for you to open up about. And this is a, clearly a hard one for you to open up about but it, it can change you as a person in the way other people perceive you as well and i and I'm, i don't know if that's what you're looking for but yeah i mean i used to i used to not talk about this um because it felt like it felt like it was such a big part of myself that if I gave it to just anyone, it would be like, um, disingenuous, disrespectful to like them, you know? Um, and, uh, there were so many moving pieces with it. Like I texted my mom today. I'm like, Hey, you know, can I, um, would you be like comfortable with me? Like, you know, talking about what happened with Chris. I was going to ask you that. And, uh, She's like, yeah. She's like, I think opening up about it will be good for you. Um, I think she's opened up about it in her life. And there'd be times where, like, I'd, like, bring a girl back home. And uh, she would just, like, casually mention Chris. To see if you had mentioned No, like, not. Not, oh. not to, like, test me. Just because, like, I know, obviously, it weighs on all of us, obviously. But, like, I think she's just in a better spot with it where, like, that name... It's like fucking Voldemort and Harry Potter, you know? And uh, she'd, like, mention around these girls that had no idea he existed, you know? Because no one in my life really fucking does, you know? I can probably count on one hand the number of people I fucking sold. And, uh, And I would just, like, look at her, like, so betrayed, you know? Like, every time, I'd just be like, what are you doing, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, I'm this girl thinks I'm an only child, like, you know? Like, don't fucking don't mention it like i don't have these conversations with people because i don't feel like it's their story like i don't feel like it's their story to hear you know and i spent most of my life feeling like it wasn't my story to tell dude like lots of people were affected you know like a family lost their fucking daughter you know i lost my fucking dude do you know how fucking pumped i was to like be an uncle man like like there was a nine year gap between me and my brother and he taught me all these fucking cool things and like spent all this time with me. And I'm just, I never, I didn't have that. I didn't have a younger sibling. I'm like, and now I have this kid that I can like look out for and like, I can get him his first guitar and I can fucking teach him about music. Like, dude, it was the proudest day of my fucking life going to that fucking hospital. You know, it's a fucking baby dude. Like, and, uh, yeah, dude, the world's just fucking it's a shitty place sometimes. But, um, so I just didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. 
Yeah, dude. God damn. And now it's just so hard, dude. And it's, it's honestly hard to kind of... I don't even really want to look at you right now. Um, and this is how we try to get better, dude. This is how... The, I mean, this is this kind of complicated new way where you try to get better with things that have really hurt and the things that you have to think of is... You know, you give yourself, uh, you give the world a piece of yourself with this podcast in a way where it kind of feels therapeutic, but you're being honest to the world around you. And there's been times where I've sat down and I'm recording something just down here all alone. I say something so crazy. I'm like, wow, but I meant it. You know, like, God, I did mean it. I'm like, am I going to be canceled? And I'm like, who's going to see this or what? Like, and I always, and, and sometimes when I just go, you know what? I don't give a fuck. And and then that's when I get, you said like, I don't know, maybe like 50 minutes ago, that moment where you have that clear mind that just of nothingness. That second, that second your brain shuts off. It's so hard to find. It's so hard to find in a person like you and me and a lot of people around us. But it's that moment where... I guess you're you're just like floating in the water. It's the moment where you're just, I mean, there you're not thinking about everything that's bad. You're not even thinking about everything that's good. You just feel kind of weightless, and you just disappear into nothing. And that's that feeling where, like, oh my gosh, I just look for that feeling so often, where everything is just nothing right now. Yeah. I lost track of the original question you had asked me when I went on that um, little tangent there, but um, you said that you don't think that I want people to like act differently around me, essentially, you know, like that's not why I'm doing it. And you're right. Um, I don't, I, the reason I was saying everything I said is because another large part of me not speaking about this is because I don't want the world to act differently towards me. Right. I want to be judged based on my own merits and who I am as a person. I want people to feel like they have to walk around eggshells around me. I want people to feel awkward around me. But I'm doing this series of episodes. I'm doing this series of podcasts so I can, you know, there have been so many ways that I've tried treating like my mental state. There have been so many attempts I've made and so many different styles that I've, and you know, there's merits in all of them, but I don't think any of them really stick. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now I'm just trying something completely different. And maybe, you know, if I fucking put out the most transparent version of myself to the fucking 150 weekly listeners, um, whether anybody listens to it or not, maybe just knowing that it's out there and it exists will give me like this peace of mind and knowing that my entire life I've wanted to be judged off of whatever version of myself I'm trying to present to people at that time. But now, you know, for good or bad, for lesser or for worse, whether I like it or not, everybody's just going to judge me for me. Like this is bare bones. Like, there's, it doesn't get any more me than this. So 
you know, maybe some people don't fucking stick around after hearing about my life or whatever, but like, at least I know the people that do were going to stick around for me anyway. And I know you do a thing where I'm supposed to say something at the end here, but, uh, I think all I want to say is, I don't know whether you wanted me to be a part of this episode, um, because you know, some of the stuff that I've been through or whatnot. Um, but I can say that it was a, I I don't want to say cool moment, like, because I know that we're talking about things that don't feel the best on the inside, but, uh, it feels like a very special moment for me. So I was very happy to be a part of this episode, man. Yeah. I was happy to have you on, man. All right, guys. Um, well, it's been another one of these episodes. Um, thank you guys for listening and I will see you in two weeks. Bye-bye. Bye.